We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks. Hibbert denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, wow. Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits! This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. All right, everybody, welcome back to part two of the Mailbag Podcast. We are on question 16. This comes from Juan Judah on Instagram. He said, can we package LeVert in one of the, vi- in one of the bigs for a better deal? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you got to be able to find a team that, that's really trying to win now, though, because at this point, Levert and, you know, Sabonis and, and, and Turner, they're right around that $18 million mark. So you, you throw in Levert, you're able to get someone that that is quite good. I mean, someone in that $35 million range, maybe it's, uh, you know, two players. So I wouldn't say that that's an unrealistic thing to happen because if the Pacers are going to make a move. You know, I don't think it's going to be a series of making four or five trades. It's probably going to be one solid trade. And then it's like, okay, let's, let's take it from there. Yeah. And you're definitely going to like, hopefully, I mean, the, the problem is the center position is just the most unimportant position. And it's a shame because we're rich in it. Right. In the NBA and the Pacers have d- dipped their toes in this center position for like three guys. And then Isaiah Jackson, who's like a three and a half. So you got three and a half centers and you like all of them. So the problem is here, you know, centers just aren't as valuable unless they're like Embiid or Jokic type players, even Gobert possibly could be in that mix. But it's just one of those things where teams aren't like, oh, I'm going to give you great value for a big. It's like, yeah, we'll just sign Mason Plumley. We'll, uh, we'll take a cheap, you know, Kelly Olenek contract, right? So I think overall, when it comes down to it, you're going to have to entice Levert and you might even have to throw in a pick to really get somebody a better value that you want. Not sure who that is, but I think that there's probably a deal out there if you can trade those two and uh, help a team bolster their roster. But 
Yeah. Um, same with Sabonis, um, whether it's him or Turner in that deal um, might not have to give up the pick if it's Sabonis, because I think his value is higher around the league. So don't think there's any argument about that, but um, yeah, I think they can't get better. Let's move on to question 17. This comes from Matthew Peck on Twitter, knowing that the team will never in quotations, blow it up and will only do things to keep the team competitive going forward. What two moves would you like to see that could improve the team this season and hopefully in the future as well? Trying to find some, some promising younger players. And I feel like just like the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, they're a team that I feel like is trying to win now with a lot of like younger players that are hard to maybe fit in there. Guys like Cam Reddish, uh, Jalen Johnson. I mean, those are guys that like, I just hope that you'd maybe be able to, to acquire and have them be able to blossom a little bit more um, that could help us in the future. Not sure how much it can really help us now. I mean, we've talked about it that I don't think they ever truly blow it up, but I think that that would be some moves I'd like to see, but also break up the bigs. It just has to happen. Backup point guard. You need something there. I mean, we've talked about it, wings. I mean, this team just, they just don't have it. They don't. And that's why I think Jalen Johnson, Cam Reddish gives you a chance at having a talented wing. Matthew, I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't have a chance to really look up two specific trades that I would like. So what I promise you is on our Tuesday podcast, I will circle back to this question and I will give you two fake trade ideas or whatever you want to call it, fake trades that I think could make sense for this team to blow it up. I think one, um, I would definitely obviously like to move Lamb, see what you can get for him and and whatever you got to include with Lamb. I think the one trade that we did, that I did throw out on Twitter was like Lamb and Goga for Thad Young. Like that's a deal that I think could make some sense for like a, a win now move. You could even maybe do Tory Craig and Lamb and maybe a pick or two or like a second round pick, excuse me, not a first round pick to, to try to get Thad Young out of San Antonio. I just don't know what else is out there right now. And I, I don't want to do just this like speculation of what could be. So I will get back to you on that, but that is one that I think would be interesting is to bring Thaddy Young back. So uh, Foch, I don't know if you're into bringing Thad back, but I think that one, he knows that most of the guys on this team or the core of this team. I think that he could just relate a little bit better and be a nice veteran presence. I mean, he could definitely be a, a better veteran presence, but I mean, if we're really looking at Thad Young to really just kind of be like uh be like the the babysitter for this team. Well, and the, he'd hey be guys. the backup power forward. He could play small ball five with him at times, like this, like the Bulls did. I think just the the defense that he brings, and he played so well with both Domas and Miles that I don't as I mean, there's issues obviously with his inability to shoot, but I just think he did so many good things. Um, you know, he's older, but he could still be a help. He could definitely be a help, but he would be entering, you know, the last year of his – he's entering the last year of his deal. He's on it right now. Yeah, which so is fine. So you're, you're not going to give him back. So then you, you, you start to wonder, like, did we just – we just that's it? We dump Goga for that? I mean, half a season of that. It's like it's not a bad idea, but I think the Pacers have to at least relatively be in position to get into the play-in game or playoffs in order to make that type of move. Yeah, let's move on. This comes from Billy Osborne on Twitter. Who do the Pacers keep at the deadline? You can't hide the fact that the move has to be made at the deadline or before. So one player, Fachi, they got they, they end up keeping one player at the deadline, but they that you think um, I well, maybe we'll just say what players do you think that they keep at the deadline? Yeah, we can't just say one because obviously we know that they have to keep Brogdon. Uh, you know, I, I don't see them trading Duarte or Isaiah Jackson, all that. So then it really comes down to like I I feel like I, 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 they probably don't give up on Levert yet. I know they could, but I feel like Levert's value is as low as it could possibly probably be other than TJ Warren right now. But I think Warren expiring could be, you know, it could be moved. I think 
Lavert probably survives the trade deadline. So I think Lavert's a guy that does have a good chance of getting moved. And here's why you don't want to really trade a guy when he only has one year left, because you're just like, well, why would we trade for that? He only got, only got one year left. What's the value in that? But if that had two years left, you might be like, Oh, okay. I can talk myself into this. So if you have Lavert for the rest of this season and next season, you're probably going to be more in, intrigued to go after a guy like that. So if Lavert can play better over the next month, come up into the trade deadline, you're like, okay, um, he's not what we want really because we want Duarte to eventually start at the shooting guard moving forward because he seems like the future of the team. You let Lavert kind of do his thing for the next month, and then you say, okay, um, what what offers can we get for Karis Lavert? And I think there's some teams that could really use Karis Lavert. So, I mean, what he potentially could bring to a team, I think, would be beneficial. And and he doesn't really fit with who we have now. So I think really Lavert's probably the most intriguing player to me that the Pacers could trade uh, outside of their rookies. I mean, that, Warren's got no value. Nobody else really has great value. I think that a healthy Lavert over the next month or so is your best opportunity to, to strike a deal. And everything hinges on that though. I mean, if he's not playing real solidly, then I don't think the Pacers are going to just move him just to take, you know, 75 cents on the dollar. So uh, you know, at that point, maybe they say, hey, you know what, we're moving on from TJ Warren. We'll still have Levert. We, we can, you know, maybe slide him down more of like a, a, a three and have Duarte in there and still find some way to, to get. I, I, don't, I just don't know. I mean, it, it's it's going to be tough, but I, I just think at this point, Levert's value is down. Warren's value is down. Someone's got to get their value up before they could really be moved for a suitable trade. Yeah. So to be fair, like who do the Pacers keep at the deadline? I'll say one of the bigs, the rookies, Brogdon. I think they have to keep TJ McConnell, like I said, for uh, reasons in the part one episode. It's just it's just to me like <laughs> there's so many question marks, but let's there move is. on. Let's just move on. Question number 19 comes from Beams 30 on Reddit. He said, O'Shea's lack of minutes is BS. Thankfully, he's been getting in the last few games, but he's, ta- he's tallied six games with zero minutes. I'm not sure if I miss an injury for him or not, but it really ticks me off that this guy is wasted on the bench. I saw the raw talent at Syracuse, and I saw the proven talent last year. This guy should be getting rotational minutes. Absolutely should. I don't believe that there's been an injury. I just think he kind of fell out of favor. I mean, um, there was a stretch that he you know, didn't perform well, and I think after after a while, with having Levert come back, having Keelan Martin kind of step up, I, I feel like it just eventually led to less and less minutes before he was out of the lineup. The, the talent is there. I, I think that if you put him on OKC and he was getting consistent minutes, I think he would have some pretty solid games because we saw them. I mean, O'Shea blew everybody away at the end of the year. The man playing center, I mean, it, it was getting insane what he was doing. He was pulling down like 18 rebounds in like a game. I mean, he he produced. I, I, I think he does need more minutes, um, but I, I think Carlisle likes a, a smaller rotation. Yeah. No, I mean – O'Shea got in there over Torrey Craig um, against the Heat. I mean, Craig only played the first four minutes of the game and started for Domas. Once Domas came back in, Craig didn't see the floor again. So I don't know if it's a, a trending thing for, for uh, O'Shea, but, you know, he, he's he got some lapses there. He's, he's a hit-or-miss player. And when he hits, he's really good. But when he misses, you feel that impact with the bench. But at the same time, he's 23 years old. I think you got to let him play through it a little bit. And realize, hey, he's a, he's been a pretty good three-point shooter uh, since he's been in the NBA, you know. So got to give him the benefit of the doubt from his shooting from last year and this year and uh, just hope that he improves on that. But let's move on. Question number 20 comes from Novelty Status on Reddit. They said, 
they have a thought instead of a question, and their thought is that they're uh, the only thing they're looking forward to is trade season. They hope they're not let down. Uh, there is no viable core here on this Pacers roster. The worst thing they can do is kick the can down the road and get less or nothing for some of these guys. I mean, if this was the NFL, you know, they'd be trading guys for, for late round picks just to get something. But I feel like in the NBA, and especially with the Pacers, I don't think they're just going to trade guys just to, to get anything in return. Um, because, you know, the only real guy that expiring is Jeremy Lamb. I think he needs to be traded for whatever you really can rather than ride it out and not be in the rotation or playing six minutes a night, whatever it is. So, yeah, I think at this point we're all looking forward to just some type of change, some type of player that maybe we could say, hey, you know what? I mean, who knows? Maybe next year or later this year, we want more players to be able to develop. But right now, I mean, you bring in Carlisle for, for a reason to win. It's going to be hard to develop young players when you're still trying to get Isaiah Jackson on the court for more than just a handful of minutes. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. It's um, they can't kick the can down the road and, and just continue to, you know, be mediocre. That's the last thing we want to see with this team. But you got to make moves to, you know, just kind of help the team out overall. Like Jeremy Lamb is really not that good against the Miami Heat defensively. He was bad offensively. He didn't hit any any really shots that I can remember from watching the game. So that's a good idea, Fudge. You know, look to see what you can give for him at the minimum, even if it's a second round pick and you take back another contract that's expiring, like whatever. Anything that you get positive from Jeremy Lamb right now in a trade is great. Um, but I think that the most common thing that I believe will happen is he'll be attached to one of the centers or to Karis Levert and a bigger deal. That is kind of the route I see the team going, but you never know. I, I just, you know, it's one of those things where we're just kind of stuck right here and uh, stuck in the mud and just waiting to see what they do because they've, they've shown no signs of really being eager to split this team up ever. So I can't be like, they've got to do it now. I mean, sure, they, I want them to, but I just can't. I can't envision them just like jumping the gun and doing it. So, um, yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's part of being a Pace fan. But uh, let's move on now, Fachi. Question 21 comes from Fester35 on Instagram. Curious if Kevin Pritchard has made any statements over the recent period. He seems to be MIA, but part of me feels the front office is happy with Carlisle conveying the message. Fester, this is a pretty good question. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I have not heard from Kevin Pritchard. I have not heard any statements. I definitely know that he hasn't you know, had any type of press conferences or anything. And I do feel like Carlisle has kind of been taking a lot of uh, – whatever you want to call it, a lot the of the, the, the brunt, the, the blame, whatever it is. I mean, Carlisle has, has been the guy that's been the face for, you know, answering for this team. I mean, some of the players have tried to answer for it, but the answers haven't been great. They've been like, st you're starting to hear the players say things like, I don't really know what to tell you. Or like, we keep telling ourselves, you know, we got to, we got to wake up or respond, but we, you know, we haven't. So it's getting to the point where, yeah, the, the front office has been very MIA and that's, that's something I have noticed lately. Yeah, I mean, you can just tell, like, if the team continues to lose, these players are going to get frustrated and they're going to want changes. They're going to want the roster to be changed up, whether that's them leaving or somebody leaving with the team. And they're probably expressing their concerns to KP or Chad or Kelly, whoever they can get a chance to talk to. But, you know, Kevin Pritchard was at the game against the Heat. He actually um, returned to his seat in the beginning of the first quarter during the whole pulling Sabonis out to – have him go back to the locker room. I believe Scott Agnes had a complete story on what actually happened there. Um, they said it was a family issue, but I heard that Sabonis had a rapid COVID test 
So that could have been part of it just to make sure that he wasn't exposed. But Kevin Pritchard's there. He just hasn't, he's not one that really talks to the media a whole ton. You might see an article out here on The Athletic or maybe the Indy Star in the next couple of weeks where maybe he does a one-on-one conversation with a reporter, that kind of thing that goes in the paper, which I think will be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean, I know Kevin Pritchard's not happy with the way this team's playing, but at the same time, uh, you know, you're right. They're going to let Carlisle deal with it because they're paying him, you know, seven and a half million, 7.25 million a year uh, to be the coach. And that's kind of what happens when you're the face of the team in that regard. So let's move on. Zachary Barnett on Twitter, our good friend Zachary said, what's the likelihood of KP getting axed before the end of the season, especially at a 0.360 win rate early on? Hey, Zach, definitely friend of the show. Always appreciate you. Um, I, I don't think that that happens. I, I mean, we saw, I mean, everyone was wondering if Nate Bjorkman was going to get the ax before last season ended, and that didn't happen. I think at this point, we've talked about it, KP would likely step down before being fired, but I, I just do not think that they would just ax him before this season ends. Yeah, no, they do it in the offseason. That's how I believe, too. I think it's very unlikely that KP gets axed um, before the end of the season, but there's a much higher chance that if things don't go well and he makes zero moves before the deadline, that uh, he's not axed at the end of the season or um, or he steps down. But question 23 comes from David Matillo from Twitter. He said, trade idea, attach Lamb to Sabonis and even a pick if necessary and see what you can get. Possible options here are CJ McCollum or DeJounte Murray and Thad Young. Uh, I mean, hey, we're seeing a couple names that we've heard come up before. Yeah, I'd be pretty reluctant to trade a pick because if things really go south and then, you know, maybe we need to make more trades. If the the worst situation would be if the Pacers kind of bottom out and don't have their own draft pick to, to you know, reap the benefits for us. So that would be really rough. Um, if you trade Lamb and Sabonis, yeah, the salaries add up to, you know, roughly about $29 million. So. You're still actually a little bit short, I think, for, you know, a McCollum. But uh, DeJounte Murray, Thad Young, I mean, it, it would be it would be appealing. It would be. I like me some DeJounte Murray, but you still got to then figure out what you're doing in terms of, you know, the log jam at, at point guard between trying to get Murray minutes, Brogdon minutes, McConnell minutes, and over at the two, you still got Levert and Duarte. Um, so it, it would get a bit messy. I don't really care if it's messy. If DeJounte Murray was a better player, play him, figure it oh, out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't care if I hurt McConnell's feelings by not playing him as much. He was brought in here to be a third-string point guard in the first place. Ended up getting a pretty nice contract. So I'm not too worried about that. But, you know, um, if you could trade Liam and Sabonis and, and get a player back that can really help your team, I'm fine with it. You know, I like Sabonis. I really do. But even Zach Lowe said, you know, at, at best, he's, uh, you know, the third best player on a good team or a great team. And he said the franchise has uh, not, you know, doesn't recognize him almost as their best player. So they don't. with that being said, like, if you're not going to utilize Sabonis the correct way, you don't like Sabonis with your with your scheme, Carlisle, whatever people think, I don't buy that. I think if he didn't like Sabonis' style of play, he wouldn't play him the most minutes every game. But that's a, besides the point. I, I think that. If you can make a deal to get better, you do it. But, Fachi, let's take a you quick break. When we come back, we will answer the final part of our questions here on Part 2. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's move on to question 24. This comes from Samuel Samuel Colbertson on Twitter. Sorry there, Sam. I didn't mean to mess your name up. I apologize. But uh, what do you think about the refs not giving Duarte any calls? And do you think he gets frustrated with the team sometimes because he cares about winning and playing hard, and sometimes they don't seem to care as much? Absolutely. Look, classic rookie stuff, but also I feel like it's like to the next level, like a rookie in Indiana. Like the Pacers aren't getting calls in general, but when you're a rookie on a team that's not getting calls, it, it's got to be uh, real tough. And, and unfortunately, we, we've talked about it. It feels like the, these refs really try and make you like earn these calls after a few years in the league when you should get a call if you get fouled. But that hasn't been the case. And I think frustration is building up. We saw when he didn't get the call against the Hawks, ran to Instagram, which is what exactly happens in 2021. Uh, Vince's frustration over there uh, ends up taking down the story that he put up over there. And I feel like for some of these guys, I mean, they don't experience this much losing, you know, in college for some of them. I know that's more of the case in like the NFL compared to college football. But, you know, Duarte, I feel like he's getting frustrated. You know, he's... Used to probably maybe getting more calls in college. You're you're like a senior, but he he obviously cares, and I think the rest of the team needs to have that same type of mentality. The frustration, the technicals, everything. It's building. It's evident. Yeah, I mean, you hit everything on the head there, Fachi. I mean, only thing I'll add is like with being in the NBA instead of college, he's playing a lot more minutes and a lot more games frequently every single week. So it's harder to dwell on losses, and I think for rookies. They probably dwell on losses a little bit more their first year than they than they will the older they get and the longer their careers are because, you know, in college you're playing Monday and then you might not play till Friday or whatever or Tuesday then Saturday those kind of things where you're not playing three to four games a week but in the NBA you're playing a lot more games and so he could be so frustrated about the Hawks game and and trying to take it out on the next game he plays and then 
you know, overshoot or, you know, whatever. But I think from what I've seen a little bit from Duarte, especially there was a wide open three head in the corner in the fourth quarter, and he was just short. I, I think what I've noticed from Duarte just a little bit over the last couple of weeks is once that second half starts and getting into the fourth, he just looks a little bit more tired to me. And that could just be the wear and tear of playing a lot longer games and playing more games. So once he figures that out, that'll be good. But I think in terms of not playing or, you know, cares about winning and playing hard. And sometimes the, the core doesn't seem to as much. I just think that they are more professional. They don't show their emotions as much, but I think they all care about losing. I mean, if they didn't care, they wouldn't have any pride. And I think if you are any professional, you have to have some level of pride when it comes to, you know, winning basketball games. So just a competitor, you're going to have pride. I just think that Duarte might be a little bit more expressive, Fachi, when it comes to how he uh, shows how much he loves to play the game of basketball. Definitely. And, like, we're only seeing these guys for, you know, what two and a half hours on a, on a night. We don't know what's going on in the locker room and all that. I mean, they could easily just be truly, you know, venting, letting it all out. So when someone – you know, runs to Instagram and really puts puts up like a, a story basically mentioning how frustrating he was. And I don't remember the exact words. I know he was, you know, cursing up a bit. Um, it, it's obviously that this guy is frustrated. I mean, he was ready to basically fight the refs just a couple games ago. So, yeah. you know, you could see it. All right, let's move on to question 25. This comes from Chuthered Smicken on Reddit. He said, you did standings predictions before the season. Where do you see the Pacers finishing now? Higher than 13? This seems like a real low point for the team. The product is so poor. I can't watch them sometimes. And I agree with that. That is, it's, it's hard to watch this team sometimes. Fachi, I had them fifth before the season started. I thought Warren was going to be healthy. That was before we heard the news of his setback. If I would have known he wasn't going to be anywhere close, I probably would have said more like eight, nine range, but I was trying to be optimistic. They might finish higher than 13th, but I don't want to guarantee anything, Fachi. Oh man, uh, the sad thing is, is I actually couldn't help but giggle when you said that they might finish better than thirteenth. That is so sad. But I, I have, the, I had the standings giggle? pulled up. And, Why are you giggling? Yeah, because it was like I, I didn't want to like <laughs> straight up, you know, interrupt giggle. you by laughing. But at the same point, it was a giggle. It, that, giggle. That's where these patients have taken me. They've taken me to a giggle. All taking right, you to giggles. <laughs> they have, and you know what? I'm getting laughed at. I'm getting giggled at trying to defend this team but you look at it right now that the one through 10 is above 500 in the east i mean that has not been the case alex remember the days of the eighth seed being a sub 500 team i i do but now you look at it the knicks are 11 and 12 and you know what ever since they've gotten kemba out of the lineup it's like it seems like they're going to be going in the right direction Toronto, they're 10 and 13. Well, they've played most of the season without Siakam. I think they're probably going to finish above us. It gets to the point where, yeah, we're going to finish above the Orlando Magic and the Pistons, and then nothing else is guaranteed. So uh, I'm having a hard time seeing us in that top 10 when it seems like the rest of those teams are, are probably getting better. I mean, the Cleveland, the Cavaliers, they're 13 and 10 without Colin Sexton. Uh, he's not coming back this year. And it looks like they're kind of figuring out. So why can't we? Hey, Ricky Rubio has been pretty good for him. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Jared Allen's been awesome. Evan Mobley. You know, that's what happens when you get those top lottery picks, Fachi. You can Darius probably, Garland. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. DG has been awesome. And once you get some lottery picks, you put those guys together, give them some time to develop. I mean, you're going to get better. That's just part of it. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be tough. I mean, they can get hired in 13. They're only four games back of like 10, right? So 
there's a possibility they can watch, but it's just I got a I got a question for you. Yeah, yeah. Would you do it if things are going that bad, like rock bottom bad? Would you take Kevin Love's contract on if it meant that we were going to be able to get you know get some picks or or maybe some young players? We're not going to get you know any of their studs, but he expires <laughs> after next year, and it would be it's pretty gross. But at the same point, the Cavs want to win. Would you do it? I would probably say negatory, um, okay. just because I don't think if they're if they're in the playoffs, their pick's not going to be that good, and I don't want a 17th, 18th overall pick from Kevin Love's contract. If they miss the playoffs and they're like, okay, you know, something like that happened, then you know you're talking about another lottery pick just for Love's contract. I mean, that would be enticing. Then you'd have two lottery picks, hopefully, if you're not in the lottery, so or if you're not in the playoffs, so that'd give you two lottery picks, and you could do something with that. I mean, there's. Different scenarios to look at this, Vach. But, you know, we got three more questions, and you're throwing more questions at me. Hey, yeah. we'll, we'll have to move on. Otherwise, this could be an episode, you know, a topic for a whole other episode. Exactly. Well, we got three questions left. Um, this one comes from Sword Stunner on Reddit. He said, trade idea, Levert for Kimba and Knox. Frees up cap, gets a veteran, offensively versatile point guard, and a last chance for Knox who can provide depth at the wing. You could also re-sign Knox potentially to a cheap deal if he plays well. Overall, it gets an exciting name at point guard, creates cap flexibility, and moves players that could all welcome new environments. Absolutely not. I bag, <laughs> I bag Kevin Knox once or twice a week, and I put him by the curb. That man is trash, all right? We are not doing it. Kemba's knees are absolutely cooked. That man couldn't go to mailbox. We are, if you told me coming into this year that we would trade Levert for Kemba and Knox, I would say, like, what happened? So – not happening here. I my favorite part of this was gets a veteran offensively versatile point guard. <laughs> I was like, uh, we've seen Kimba Walker over the last couple of years. Like he ain't the same. Who Kimba was in Charlotte is not who he is now. And no. I feel bad because I like Kimba a lot. And there was a yeah. time here when I wanted Kimba here on the Pacers that first year he went to Boston. I was like, let's get Kimba a true point guard that can put the ball in the hoop. Um, yeah, I mean, and Knox, like, come on, he's not even worth anything at this no. point, right? Nope. So I wouldn't trade a Levert for either of those two guys. I mean, I appreciate the idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least you're giving us an idea. Like, most people just say, well, we got to trade this, we got to trade that. Hey, you gave us an idea. We laughed at it. I'm sorry. We didn't mean to be offensive, but it was just funny because I was trying to keep a straight face when I read the question to Fachi, and then Fachi was just like, absolutely not. So just make me laugh. But, you know, I appreciate that, Sword Stunner, but. Really, I, I mean, if this is Kimba from three years ago, I would be all in on this trade. But Kimba now, no way. So let's move over to question 27 and question 28. These both come from AKA Morning. He sent me a long message. So Fachi, get ready for this. Question 27. Should we be afraid the front office makes a panic trade in hopes of turning the season around? What players would you be afraid we'd go after in such a scenario he said for him it's trading picks and or starters for either eric gordon terrence ross or buddy Hill. yeah i feel like those are some pretty good players to name because i feel like those are players that are available so yeah i mean i i would be nervous that that would happen because that's that's how someone like kevin pritchard could try and save his job or the front office in general i mean we don't want to continue to push forward and all of a sudden do something like we give up a first round pick or we give up a talented player that we gave up on for just a short term fix. Like Buddy Heald 
good player. Like, could he make us a little bit better this year? It probably could, but what happens for the future? Is that really going to move the needle? No, it, it probably just gets us maybe to the playing game. Terrence Ross, that's a guy that's expiring. Like, his best years are behind him. Eric Gordon, I, I can't do it. When, when we were rumored in Eric Gordon deals, it was like, yes, look, that's a guy that went to IU. Is he going to sell more tickets? I really don't think so at no. this point. You know, so it, it's it's at that point where it's like, you know what, I, I, I'm good over there. If we're making trades, I want to trade for younger players or, like, all-star level players. Yeah, I think another name you could maybe maybe throw in that mix is Gary Harris. He's got $20 million on his deal. I don't think he's going to move the needle too much for this team. Like, he's okay, right? But I don't want him at that much money. He just never really seemed to, like, hit it off in Denver. He's with Orlando now. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really know who else to add to this list. I mean, if you got if you could trade Lamb straight up for Terrence Ross, like, that's not a bad idea. But yeah, if you're yeah, trading, that, that's not bad. But if you're trading, like – Lamb plus a pick for Terrence Ross, no way, which I think I could see that happening or like Lamb and somebody and a pick for Buddy Hill. Like I could see them maybe going that route, which I don't actually know if I would hate that. It just depends on what protections are on the pick. But I get what you're saying, like an unprotected pick with Lamb plus a salary filler like TJ, uh, not TJ, I guess TJ McConnell for like Buddy Hill. Like I could see where you'd be like, oh, that makes me nervous. But yeah, um, you know, those guys definitely have flaws to their game. I just, um, I don't think we should be afraid, though, of a panic move. I, I don't think this is how this front office has worked at all when it comes to trades. They're always very um, not reactive or pro. They're not really proactive when it comes to trades. They're not really reactive either. They're just kind of like they hit at the right time, I should say. Um, they don't like to get played in trades, and they, they, they stick to their core values on what they want in a player and how they value their guys, and they're not gonna they're not gonna budge from that. They're not gonna say, "Oh, we got two centers. We're not just gonna make a trade and make a trade." Like we already talked about that. So, um, yeah. So let's read the rest of this question. Uh, question twenty eight says, follow up question: If we ride the season out with what we have, surprisingly, I'm leaning towards this, and we get something like a top eight pick. Would combining the pick with a starter and possibly something else for a real number one option be something the Pacers prefer, or? Would we keep it and make other roster changes? I'm on the fence about this. I guess it depends on who might be available in the summer. We'd love to know what you and Fachi think. Uh, hugely premature, but I'd like to know. Oh, man. It kind of scares me to have, like, the eighth overall pick and then roll the dice and try and continue to push forward when it's like the Pacers haven't picked eighth overall in, you know, a long, long time. Um, I know they made, like, a trade for, like, Jonathan Bender in the past, but I think in terms of their own, uh, you know, pick, I don't think they've picked a you know, top eight in like over 30 years. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been a long, long time. So I would be really scared to, to try and move forward because then you're still looking at Levert on a, an expiring deal next year, Turner on an expiring deal. You know, at that point, it's like, do you know which direction you're going at that point? You might be forced to then re-sign some of those guys where you kind of just, almost kind of put a Band-Aid on it. So I would want to pick eighth overall. I really would. Yeah, I, I think that you just have to see how deep the draft is. And if you don't feel like there's, you know, because there's been drafts where people don't think there's like that number one guy or there's like a big drop-off from like five to ten or whatever it is. You know how there's always those tiers, right? It's like, oh, tier one is this, tier two is that. And we always hear about trades. And, and then a lot of times you don't see a lot of trades come drafted draft day you hear a lot more about rumors because it's just like uh smokescreen season right but 
I, I think the Pacers, you know, depending on what they have and what they're able to give up, if they can, you know, trade a top lottery pick with a player to get a significant player back, then I think they have to do that, Fachi, just because it's uh, it's something that, you know, with the core they have now, like if they're trying to really win with Carlisle too, it makes more sense than going for number eight. But if they got like pick number three or number five and could get someone along the level of Trey Young or Luka Doncic, then you keep that pick 1,000% and just hope that those players pan out over the next year or two um, while Carlisle still is on the contract. And, you know, he's still in his young 60s, right? So it's not like he has to retire as soon as his contract's up. And if we get some nice guys here, um, some nice young guys here, for sure, I think you could um, – you could you could see where Carlisle would be more excited about a core with a couple draft picks, Christy Duarte, and uh, whatever they leave uh, from the the core now that they don't trade. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, like you mentioned, it depends how this draft really shakes out because like, I think Franz Va- Franz Wagner was was picked eighth overall, I believe, this year. And yeah, Davion he's looking Mitchell, really good. Yeah, yeah, he is. And Davion Mitchell was number nine, so like you start to see like a, a bit of a drop off. Obviously, we're happy with Duarte at pick thirteen, but also there was Kuminga at seven, and I really believe in, in Kuminga. I really do. I think he's going to be good. So it really depends how strong that draft is because you know the eighth pick in many drafts. I think if we go back, can be a pretty sketch pick. Or it could be a pretty good pick. So that that definitely depends on the draft. But if you're not actually trading for a true all-star, then I, I get real, real nervous over there because at that point, it feels like, what are we trying to be? Are we trying to then be a second-round playoff team? Or can we actually have a chance at a true conference finals, high upside if things go right? You know, yeah. Stuff. I uh I feel you, Fashi. But all right, that wraps up our mailbag podcast, parts one and part two. Hope you guys enjoyed all the questions we had. And you know, trust me, I know you guys are wanting to hear our thoughts on trade ideas um, or, or our personal trades that we come up with. We usually do that every year, so we can't really make any trades until December fifteenth. So give us until then, and on that date or around that date, we will put a podcast up of like potential targets or. You know, just throw out some trade ideas that we come up with and you guys can, you know, hate on us on Twitter for how bad they are, um, like what happens every year. But um, we will give out some of our trade ideas around that time. But right now we're just kind of responding to yours. And, um, you know, I'll make sure I do respond to that one where we need to uh, reply to that one. Flash. But um, anyway, where can the people find us at on social media? All right. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. And you can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if you're hoping the Pacers can take us out of our misery and get a win against Washington on Monday, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Those are Fachi's Wizards.